reveal what is important. If you want to know what somebody is about, what has their heart, uh, look at the decisions that they make. All of us are intentional uh, with our decisions. We, we do things on purpose, not by accident. Uh, we do things based on what makes sense to us. Uh, there's, there's cause, there's, there's this effect, there's all these things that kind of move us into a direction as we make decisions. But if you're like me, uh, we spend a lot of time uh, experiencing the ramifications of our decisions, not necessarily on the front end thinking of how to make wise ones. And so this series is how do we take a step back from experiencing the whirlwind of bad decisions to actually making good ones. And that's actually what God wants for us. Uh, we need to uh, look to him for help. He has created us. He knows us. He's actually placed us all here at this time, uh, in this season of life, in this state, in this city, and even in this church right now uh, for him to speak. And he wants you to make decisions which will actually uh, be a blessing to your life. He, he, he wants to bless you, but he also wants you to make decisions that, that will help you make the right kind of progress. And that's what we call reality. Life has a reality to it. And we really want to make decisions in line with God's reality, not just our own. Because if we make decisions based on what we think is true, but God doesn't think is true, it does not work out well. And that's just how life is. And so I want to start talking today about the fact that choices, all of our choices have consequences. Do you agree with that statement? Choices have consequences. We know that, right? Have you ever got a speeding ticket? Okay, did you make a choice that led to that decision? It depends. If the officer was out to get us, it was not our fault. For me growing up, it seemed like the motorcycle guys were always the ones. They hide behind bushes and in trees, right? But I make a choice and I get a consequence. That's how life works. When you have kids, you want to teach them that choices have consequences. That happens all the time. It happens at work. It happens in our homes, it happens in church, it happens in every arena of life. We make a choice and there's a consequence to it. Now, the reason that's important to remember is that, it, again, it's really important to align within how God views things because we wanna make sure that we don't experience the wrong consequences because we're just living life our own way. All of us have the pull to live independently from God. We want things on our own terms. We actually want things on our own timing. We want our own goals. We want really our own life and we want to paint our own picture and we don't really want to like, look to God. We, we want him just to approve it, whether we realize it or not. We just, here's my life, I'm gonna live it and hopefully God, you're, you're okay with that. That may happen consciously, it may happen subconsciously, but all of us do this. But check out the scriptures which just give us a sense of how life uh, works. This is Proverbs 24. I first read this when I was in college. This was a challenge to me, a little sleep a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. This is part of the wisdom literature of Scripture. You find this in Psalms and Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes mainly, but this is saying that, you know what, all of us, there's a pull to, to want to rest and to want to sleep, but then there's even sometimes more of a pull to be lazy. You don't have to answer this out loud, but do any of you struggle with laziness? I think we all do at different times. I, like, I see those hands. I'm not going to acknowledge. I won't make two. Okay, I, I, we, we can struggle with that, right? But the scripture is saying is if, if you get into laziness and you never move beyond it, there will be a consequence to your life. What's the consequence of laziness? Poverty. 
Is that how life works? Absolutely. There's a lot of themes in our culture right now that disparity means discrimination. Actually, what it is is there's people who can be given the same exact things. We gave every single person in our country a million dollars. At the end of one year, would everyone have the same amount or done the same thing with the same million? No. Would some have more? We'd hope so. Would some have less? Absolutely. Would some have none? Yes. Which one are you? You give to the church first and then we'll see, right? Like, we'll, we'll see how much we get. I'm not saying you specifically, but I don't have that yet. <laughs> but, but all of this is, is, is consequences. And, and we know this, but again, we can usually think about this with other people, but it's hard with ourselves. And so life, if you feel a little beat up or you feel frustrated, oftentimes that's God trying to get our attention. Look at the choices that you're making. And that leads you down a path. And sometimes the path that we don't want to be on is God's way of saying, well, actually, life will beat you up, but I have another way. Again, that was a scripture that was really helpful uh, for me. Uh, Read this in 2 Peter 3. This is talking about the freedom that God gives us. There's freedom in our choices. But just because there's freedom doesn't mean that there's not consequences. Check this out. It says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises or his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. What this is saying is, is God has created every single person, and it's on his heart for every single person who've gone their own way and have gotten into sin and rebellion. His heart is for every single person to turn back to him. But he does not force you to do that. So as you look at our world, and even in this room, and even in our own hearts, do all of us turn to God for help? Do we turn to him for grace? Do we turn to him for mercy? No. Why? Because we have freedom. And in that freedom, we're making choices, but those choices have consequences. The reason this is important to bring up is that this brings up the graciousness of God. You may be beat up. You may have a past that you regret. I know I do. There's things that I've done that I look back on. And even to this day, I'm like, oh, I wish I would have made a different choice. What the scripture is saying is because God is still near and he still is God who has created us and he knows us, he's waiting for us to turn to him. And so no matter where you find yourself, no matter how frustrated you may be at you or somebody else in your life that makes decisions, God is waiting for us to turn to him and he will help. Last week, we talked about the help that he brings in a general way as we live life with faith as we live life with integrity, and as we live life with obedience. In fact, I wanna show you uh, the building blocks. This is, I'm gonna build on this from from last week, so we're gonna focus on his specific will, but last week we talked about how we need to always learn and do God's general will. Uh, We need to live life in our decisions specifically, not based on fear, but on faith. Anytime you make a decision in fear, you are not in the will of God, because that's not, in the building blocks of a good decision. Faith is. And what God always does, he brings us to the end of ourselves so that we realize our limited strength, our limited resources, our limited intelligence, we don't have what it takes to fully know what we need to do. And he leads us to the edge so we'll decide, like, actually, God, I need your help. That's the beginning of faith. I need God's help. He's not in my reference point, and then he becomes in my reference point because I've searched everywhere else for answers and I can't find it. That's why we are here. 
We want to meet people at the end where they've done all that they can and now they're actually considering there's gotta be something that I've not yet found. And they begin to look to the church. They begin to look to Jesus for those answers. And then personal integrity, I need to live God's ways in the decisions I make. I need to do right rather than wrong. I need to love God. I need to love people. That's with integrity. And then as God tells me to do things, there's many things I want God to give me an answer for, but many times our next step is just doing the thing in front of us and obeying that. And then as we obey that, God reveals specific things. So that's what we're gonna talk about today. Once we have laid this foundation of faith and integrity and obedience, we then need to get into how do I look for God specifically in in the direction for my life? Now I wanna ask you, uh, are any of you seeking like God's direction uh, for your life on where you need to head? It could be job, it could be financially, it could be in a relationship, but you have this sense like, I need God to show me what I need to do. Any of you experiencing that? Yeah. All of us are in those places at different times where we just need God to come through. We need to know his will. And I hope for all of us, uh, no matter if you're in that or not, God will use the things that you face, again, for you to grow. And so that's what we're gonna talk about today. In the process of learning his specific will, God uses this to help us grow. So what I wanna do is start on these two, wise counsel and clear thinking. And I wanna start with, with what clear thinking is. Clear thinking is actually wise. Again, God is a God of wisdom. He's not a God of confusion. So as you're making decisions, what he wants to do is help you move past the emotions of the decisions to actually get into clear thinking. And we've talked about this some in this series, but have you ever made an emotional decision? Absolutely. Usually it does not end well. We make emotional decisions all the time. But emotional decisions beat us up. They don't bless us. They beat us up. They they cause us to have more pain than progress. So clear thinking is how you counter the drive of emotions or the welling up of frustration or disappointment or discouragement. If you make decisions from those places, most of the time, you're not in a good place. You need some clear uh, thinking. And I want to talk about that in Proverbs 14.8 again a wise saying for us today. It says, the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. Now check out verse 15. A simple man believes anything, but a prudent man gives thought to his steps. So you see this this word prudent. The the essence of somebody who's prudent is that they are having consideration and they're looking at all the angles and they're taking a step back and they're having like a 30,000 foot level decision to just make sure, is this in line with who God is? Is this in line with who I am? And is this in line with reality? And then once you get 30,000 feet, you don't stay there because you can't make decisions when you're that far up. You need to get into the details. And then they begin to ask, okay, well, what do I need to do to move forward? What's the next step? And then what's the next step out of that? What's the next step out of that? It's the moving beyond being paralyzed. The prudent do that. It's very easy. Uh, and we see this again and again. So many people um, have ideas in our culture today of the things that we should do. You heard just, well, we all need to do this. And we all need to do that. The key question is, how does that work? That's a key question. And most don't know the answer. Why? Because they're looking within themselves for the resources that they do not have. Or they're looking at their education for the things that they've been taught that they have not been taught. 
or they're looking for the experiences that they've never had, or they're looking at their family that doesn't have the answers. So all of this leaves us empty, which again, God is just waiting to the point where we look and say, okay, I need some help. And that's the end part. A simple man believes anything. Any idea is a good idea. The key question is, how will that work? How will that be executed? What's your next step? What do you do after that? And then it follows. But a prudent man, sorry, go back to the verse real quick, but a prudent man gives thoughts to his steps. That's what clear thinking. All of us, we can get the fever for something that we want really bad. Clear thinking is our way of like, hey, slow down. And I encourage you, this will lead to the wise counsel, which I'm gonna get in a moment, but I encourage you, have people in your life that can identify when you're getting the emotional fever for a decision that you wanna make. Do you have those people in your life that are like, hey, have you thought about that? That's a great question for somebody in your life to ask them. Here's what you need to do. Though. You need to talk to that person to make sure they can ask you that before you're in that position because trust me, you're not gonna want people to ask you that question when you wanna make the decision. When you have the fever, you're not asking the question. But outside of the emotion, if you can have people in your life and you've asked them, say, hey, if I'm making a decision and it seems like this is emotional and it seems like I'm not thinking about it and it seems like I may be going into trouble area, will you tell me that? That will save your life. Realize God could use that to prevent major catastrophe. But you have to ask for that and you have to ask for it outside of the emotion that you experience. Um, back to the, the clear thinking part, how you can do prudent, I encourage you, if you're making a major decision, the longer the decision, it's like an accordion. You guys, I don't have an accordion or I would show you, but an accordion, it's like, you, you know, you pull it out. And the, the most important decision is like an accordion that you pull out. Like, you need to make sure the, the more important decision, the bigger decision, the longer process you have of clear thinking. So if somebody's asking you, like, you're, I want you to buy this car, I want you to buy this timeshare, and you'll be paying on it for the rest of your life, think in your head, I need to pull the accordion out, I need to, and I need to make a decision that's very long. So if anyone was vying for your money, and they say, this deal expires in 15 minutes, if you leave here, the best protection of clear thinking is, you know what, I don't make any major decisions, my family, we don't make any major decisions unless we have at least 48 hours to think and pray about it. Will that save you? Will you get the car? Probably not. Could that be good for you? I think so. Right? Because it's all, and now you have to make this. Why? They want you to make an emotional decision. But the idea is, I need some time. I need to think about it. I need to pray about it. I need to ask questions. Don't make major decisions. Stretch out that accordion so you can have at least 48 hours before making a major decision. Uh, for me, one of the things I do, clear thinking, uh, make a, a, like a T a pro con list with pluses and minuses. I don't know if you've ever done this, but a major decision, part of prudence is what's good about this decision and what's bad. Now, if you really want this decision and all you have is pluses and no minuses, it's probably not clear thinking, <laughs> right? We could do that. It's like, it's amazing. There's nothing bad about this decision. That's when you go to that person and say like, is this just me or have I found the first decision in the history of decisions where there's nothing bad about it? And you just ask them, look, can you look at my list? 
And they, you know, they'll start crossing things off, maybe adding some things, but just start plus minus. That just gives you a sense of like, is this a good fit? You kind of have to wait. That's part of weighing. That's what prudent people do. They weigh the decision. What good can come? What could be the cost? Not just today, not just tomorrow. What would this mean for five years? Ask that question. It's very important. What would this mean for 10 years? Ask that question. It's very important. What would this mean for my time? Do you know every yes you say is a no to something else? The problem is sometimes you don't know the no that you're saying no to. Did that sound like Dr. Seuss or what? But that's true. Have you ever made a decision and then an opportunity comes that you really wanted? And then you're like, how do I get out of this thing I just said yes to? It happens all the time. But sometimes you have to weigh that. So a pro-con list is helpful. And then uh, another thing that I just ask and wise people have done in my life is just, does this fit with the direction that you're headed in? If this means you're changing like the major direction of your life, like you're moving, or you're changing something that you've been on a path for a long time that you've been working towards, you need to ask this question that according needs to come out. Like, okay, what does this mean? Is this gonna lead me to a good place of faith and integrity and obedience going back to that general will? Does that make sense? So that's, that's clear thinking. Now, I wanna shift and talk about the other block of wise counsel. Proverbs 12, this verse has convicted me, cut me to the heart so many times. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. I, I, we need to read this together. We, we do, because you read it and you're like, yeah, that makes sense, but listen to what it's saying. Let's read it on the count of three. One, two, three. The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. Here's the problem. If you're making a decision and you really want it, it seems right. Isn't that a little sobering? Most of the time, if you have a decision that you want to make, you're not thinking it's wrong. You're thinking it's right. It makes complete sense. Because guess what? We see what we want to see. That's how life is. You don't believe that? Try to get into a barter with like an eight-year-old. I have a nine-year-old. I know what this is like. It's like they just see what they want to see. And they don't see anything else. And it's like a lot of circular. Well, I need that because I want it. And I want it because I need it. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> he needs it because he wants it. He wants it. And then, you know, before you know it, you're just, uh, okay. That's how life is. But notice, a wise man listens to advice, meaning I see what I want to see. I know that I see what I want to see. So I need somebody that's going to show me the things I cannot see. What's crazy about that is you can't see it. So you don't even know if it's true. What I'm talking about right now with wise counsel is one of the most underutilized things in our culture specifically. We live in a time in America where you do not ask anyone for what you should do because you do what you want. Nobody tells us what to do. And that's true. We have freedom. So most of us, most of the culture, we just spend our time through the school of hard knocks. The problem with the school of hard knocks, you get beat up. And there's no blessing there. But we live in a time where we just keep getting the same results, we keep getting beat up, but we have 
the freedom. We did it the way we wanted to do it. And it costs us greatly. And it costs our kids. And it costs the future generation. That's what we're seeing in our country right now. People making decisions with no absolute thought to the impact of them. And it's terrible. But it makes sense because it seems right. But a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 20, 18, this is a command. It says, make plans by seeking advice. If you wage war, obtain guidance. Now, you can read this and say, well, that's the great, greatest thing, man. I'm not a general in an army. I'm not waging war, so I can just do what I want. What do you think the scripture's saying there? If you're making a decision that has an impact on lots of people, think about the most greatest decision of war, like the impact of countries and families and individuals. Life and death is online. So what it's saying is to the point of a decision that's going to impact a lot of people, you better seek guidance. You better do it because the cost will be great if you don't. So make plans by seeking advice. This is what is so great about Scripture. It's counterintuitive. We do the reverse of this, okay? We seek advice after our plans are made. And you know what most of us want? I want. Who's gonna give me the green light for the plan that I've made? And if you ask the first person and they don't, then it's like, who else can I ask? You ever done that? Or you know people in your life that will ask you hard questions and you don't even wanna ask them. Have you ever done that? Absolutely. We are so sophisticated in our selection of who we talk to. This person always loves me and they just really accept me and they, they, they want the best for me and they always tell me what I wanna hear. Right? Let's be real. We do that. We know. You could name people. You could do a list. Speaking of a list, you could have people that will ask me the hard questions that will maybe lead me to wisdom and you know who those people are. People that will ask me no questions be like, wow, as long as that makes you happy, we'll tell you what you wanna hear. You know those people in your life right now, right? Some of them may be your mom's. not bashing on moms. Moms are great at that. They love their kids. They want what's best. But if you're a man and you're a grown man, don't just ask your mom. You need to seek counsel from other people. It's true. So the opposite is make plans by... So it's like I don't have my whole plan nailed down. In fact, I have a rough draft and I'm going to seek counsel and they're going to fill in the things that I'm missing. That is, this could be life-changing for you. That means let wise people fill in your plans. Do you realize what that's saying? What it means is, again, I don't see everything. I need people who can say there's actually, there's a thing that you're gonna face if you do that. And they know it because they've done it or they've seen it. And they're basically saying, putting their neck out there, a wise person, they're saying something they know you could blow up at them at if you choose to. It's a big risk to give counsel to people. That's why most wise people don't do it unless you ask. Because if you ask, you may want to know. But they could fill in this blueprint so that you could actually build something in your life. This is so counterintuitive, but so important. These uh, wise counsel, is, it, it like forms the boundary for your decisions. Notice the boundaries are formed not by you. 
Ultimately, the boundaries for decision are formed by God and his word. What he does with wise people, he's wired this in. They are there to reinforce those boundaries. I went kayaking last week, paddle boarding with my family, and we had a great time at Newport Bay. And I really appreciated these buoys in the water that separated where you can paddleboard, where you can kayak, and where you can swim from where the boats go and run you over. I really appreciate that boundary. Because you go out there and you're going to be up against, on a paddleboard, up against a boat. Who wins that? Well, in a decision maker, like, I, I think I could take it. We see what we want to see. But wise counsel is the buoy. Like, now nah, there's some protection there. And wise people can, can enforce that. Does this make sense so far? I hope you're convicted. I'm convicted. Truth about God's specific will. Let's get into it a little bit. So you're making a decision. Clear thinking has to be a factor. Wise counsel has to be a factor. Has to be. Why? Because that's what the scriptures say. It won't be wise decisions without those two things. But then there's some realities, again, to further kind of create the boundaries. There's some realities that will help you kind of stay in the lane of a good decision. And here they are. First, if you're making a decision, make sure it aligns with your design. That means how God has made you to be. This is what's great about God. He loves us. He created us. He made you specific. No one is like you. Now, I sound like a mom. You're special. And that's true. And he's made you with a temperament and a personality. He's made you with talents and skills. If you committed your life to Christ and you're a Christian, he's given you spiritual gifts. Certain things that he wants you to use to build up the church. That's different. He's given it to you. So he wants you to make decisions in line with who you are. Sometimes that's why the wise counsel helps because people know us and they know how it would fit. So for me, there are certain opportunities that would never make sense to me because on how God's designed me, which then actually provides clarity. Sometimes no's create, not no's, but N-O, knows that we get create like the more clarity because once things are not an option, more options open up, right? So for me, I wouldn't do good working in an office by myself without any personal interaction. If there's an opportunity, it's like, here's the deal. You're gonna, you're gonna build like the greatest system ever and you're gonna be in a cubicle and you're gonna be by yourself and never talk to anyone. Some of you introverts are like, dude, where do I sign up? But for me, I'm not an introvert. I need people. That's where I do my best work. So I need to know that's kind of how God's wired me. I wouldn't do good working with numbers. I'm not a numbers guy. I know math, kind of. That's why we have a team at Ridgeview that do the accounting. There's protection there. It's in line with their design. I also wouldn't do good like if, you know, I'm in a, providing like how directions if people are lost driving. I'm not good at that because I'm the people lost that need people to give me the direction. The lost can't lead the lost. I told you this was going to get really deep today, right? So how God's designed you. God uses that. Second, God is sovereign and in control. I want to speak specifically to something that is going around, and this is the Exodus 
of California. Can I talk about this for a moment? You're laughing, and it's kind of funny, until you're like staying here, and you're like, what do they know that I don't know? <laughs> but, but God is sovereign in control means that, again, has God placed you here? That's a question. For those of you who are part of Ridgeview, has God placed you in this church? That's a key question. For those of you that are exploring and you need to find a church, has God placed you here for this to be the church that you, you need to find? That's a good question. All of these relate to, is God intentional in where he places people? You gotta ask that. My, my understanding of, of scripture is, is God places you where he places you. He determines where you're born. That's what the scriptures actually say. He actually also determined the time in which we live. That's what the scriptures say. So we're living in this time, like we were supposed to live in 2020, right? Like that year was terrible, and we're still seeing the ramifications of things, like not again. But God is sovereign. He wanted us to be here in this time. If not, we wouldn't be here. He created us. So God is sovereign in control means if I'm making a major decision that takes me out of the stream that I am in, I need to make sure that God is leading me somewhere else because I believe God has placed us where we are. Doesn't mean we don't change. Doesn't mean we don't move. Doesn't mean we stay in the same place forever. But what it does mean is if I'm shifting and I'm moving I need to make sure I have a clear decision. Right now, there's so much emotion going on and leaving our state, and I understand it. There's a lot of craziness going on. I get it. But could it be that this is the season and the time for which we were supposed to be here and represent Christ? Do Californians need Jesus? Absolutely. Is there darkness? Yes. Now, I'm not speaking. I know some of you have moved or will be moving, like this is not like to you specifically, but this is what I'm saying is there's this flow. We're gonna keep seeing this more and more. There's this general wave of like, let's get out of here. Well, who's left? Some of us have to stay to reach people for Christ. That's his will. That's his goal. So God is sovereign in control. Could it be that I'm where I am because he wants me to be here? That's a good question. I don't know the answer. Everyone has freedom to seek the Lord in that. But for me, this is why we're here. The more crazy he gets, I'm like, man, the more we can see Jesus work. The more dark, the lighter the, the light shines, the brighter it is. Does that make sense? Thank you. I have one. It's with me. <laughs> Number three. God guides as we walk with him. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time. There's scriptures here connected, but the idea is, is God unfolds his will for us as we are making decisions right here and right now. Again, we want the plan before we decide what we're gonna do. Uh, God doesn't do that. We walk with him, and as we obey, the plan unfolds. That's what faith is. And the last is we have to listen to God's voice. So back to the, the building blocks here. So wise counsel, clear thinking, what is his specific will for my life? Based on, again, his design, the fact that he's sovereign, the fact that he's gonna guide me as I walk with him. And then finally, like prayer and prompting, I need to know that God has told me to do this decision. Prayer and prompting. So the prompting is like a sense of what you have in your gut. We talked about this the first week. 
Have you ever said that? Like, I feel God's telling me to do this. That's actually not bad. Does, has God led me? Yeah, God, God has led me in that. In fact, I planted Ridgeview Church actually through all of these blocks, but this was definitely involved. I wanted to know where to start a church. I sensed God calling me to start a new church. I was leaving the stream that I was in. So everything I've said, like, I've done that. But I needed to know that God called me to do that. And then the question, where would we start a church? Well, I knew I wanted to reach people and families. I knew we wanted to be in a growing area. So what areas are growing? I knew I wanted to to partner with people in the ministry that I've had history with that know me and I know them and we're building something together here in Southern California. But then it came to this point where through the counsel and through the clear thinking and the pros and the cons, I just need God, God, where is it that you want me to go? And what is it, the timing and and all that? And and there's this point through the print prompting where God just told me, through everything that he had led me through, this sense of him to this North Fontaine. I was like, God, I do not want to go here if this is not your will. I don't want to make the shift if this is not where you have us. And I still remember to this day when God said, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Book of Isaiah. When you're at the edge and you, just, you have a sense God's leading you and you need him to come through, just in faith, go forward. That's what he told me. What I was saying is like, God, I want you to write Fontana in the sky. That's what I wanted. I don't want to screw this up. Just write it. A bushy, I'll take, mo- I'll take the bush. Talk out of it. He didn't. But he said, you'll hear the voice behind you saying, this is the way. Basically, you've done all of the work and the legwork. You've tried to make a good decision. Now move forward in faith. And it was that final block where I knew, like, this is where God had us. I needed it. I needed God to tell me that. And he did. And no matter how hard things can get, and how crazy things can become. We can make all sorts of these decisions, but it's often the voice of God in this sense that you know. Again, we often try to make a decision here without any of this, and we just have a feeling. You don't wanna make a decision again just out of the feeling, but you do want God to show you and to tell you because that will be the thing that you keep coming back to. So whatever you guys are wrestling with, whatever you're going through, I wanna end with this, and this is, this is sobering. But I think this can really be a help to us, and it's this. The right choice is often the most difficult. You ever seen a title of a self-help book called that? No, it's like, get what you want, your way. Well, that, that sounds amazing. But actually, as you read the scriptures and as you look at God's people as they've made decisions, do you know the cost? of following Christ, what's the cost? It's your life. It will cost you your life. May not, may not be death like martyr, but it will cost you your goals and your dreams. Because he says, if anyone wants to come at me, you, you must take up your cross and follow me. Take up your death. His will, not ours. So the right choice is often... Uh, the most difficult. See if you can identify with some of these again. I encourage you, you can read these on your own. There's scriptures there. 
But see if you can identify with the culture, what they tell us, social media, news, friends, neighbors, coworkers, and then what, what God tells us. First, I wanna be happy. That's actually not biblical. Doesn't mean God doesn't want you to have joy, but happiness is not the ultimate pursuit. God actually wants you to be holy, set apart for him, to do something different. Different than even the American dream. You may not actually get everything you want in this world because your happiness is not the ultimate goal. Doesn't mean you won't be blessed, but it does mean you may not get everything you want because the goal is holiness. To actually make you a part of something far greater than material possessions. Speaking of that, I want to be secure in my resources. I want that, don't you? At the end of the month when you do your budget, doesn't it help when there's money to pay your bills? That's good. It's not just faith like, God, I'm not gonna have a job, I'm not gonna have an income, but you will provide. That's not a wise decision. But it does mean that you might not ever have all that you want again. So I wanna be secure in my resources. God wants faith beyond them. That's true. Third, I want ease, but God wants growth under pressure. Do you want ease? Absolutely. I want ease. But God wants to grow you. Does ease grows us? Grow us? No. It's the pressure. It's the hard. In fact, what the scriptures say, it's suffering. It's trials. The scriptures say, consider it what pure joy when you experience it. Why? Because he doesn't want ease for us. He he wants growth. Uh, I want rest, but God keeps me climbing. As I think about my week, I don't know about you, but everything that I want in my week is on the first part of each sentence. Like, that's a great week. How was your week? It was great. I got rest, ease, got enough money in the bank, and I'm feeling pretty good. I'm happy. That's like, that's the American good life. The problem is, it's the second half of the sentence that God wants for us. So this is like a pull in us. It's ingrained in us. I want rest, but God keeps me climbing. And then last, I want a schedule that is reasonably paced. God sends seasons of opportunity and testing. So I must scramble in faith. When I look at my week, if there's like not much on the calendar, it's like, wow, that's pretty great. I get to do what I want this week. But then do you ever have those days where you're trying to get something accomplished and then a need comes up? Somebody needs your help. Oftentimes, God brings that as a test. Will you sacrifice your own agenda to meet the need of somebody else? That's how you grow. God wants us to trust him in faith, and that happens in the pressure. So what I wanna encourage you to do, I just went through a lot. What I just described there is is that's the kingdom of God. Like, not the whole kingdom. It's not the whole exhaustive description of the kingdom of God. But you wanna know the difference between like American culture and the kingdom of God, start with that list. 
That would be a big help. If you feel a little different in this world, that's probably good. If you feel the same, you might need to check some of this. This is Jesus. It's just we're going to live a different type of life. So our decisions will represent different types of decisions. Now, I'm a pastor. I just make weird decisions anyway, right? But actually, to follow Christ for for all of us, we have to move to these kinds of decisions. God's very gracious. He gives us a little bit, and then as we're faithful, he gives us a little bit more. The test is smaller, and the test gets a little bigger. The stakes are smaller, then the stakes get a little bigger. We all know that. But I want to encourage you, with what you're facing right now, God is not asleep at the wheel. He will help you. And this could be the greatest season of you maybe getting off the path that you've always been on to ask the question, what does God want me to do? And how could he use this to grow me? So I hope this series has been a help. I'm gonna wrap up the band. I want you guys come back up. Got a few things. Uh, we do next steps every week here at Ridgeview. This is our way of uh, applying what we've learned. I don't know about you, but I tend to know way more than I live out. So we need to actually live things out so we can have room to learn more unless our head just gets full with ideas. So first, what's the takeaway from the SNAP series? If this is the only week you've heard, what's the takeaway from today? The idea is, like, what is God speaking to you? That's part of that prayer and prompting. Is there something that he's saying to you like you need to pay attention to? So what I encourage you to do is think about this. You have to think. And then what I encourage you to do is share it with somebody. What's the takeaway? What do you hear God telling you? What is something you need to do or not do? That's helpful to kind of get thoughts outside of our head. Uh, the second next step, read through the passages. I, I, I mentioned a lot of things, but then just had the reference. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we have some over there. Feel free to grab one. I'll be standing over there. If I've never met you, I'd love to meet you too. If you've never read the Bible, you don't know where the books are, you go to the table of contents, and then you just find the name of that book that matches the scripture in your, your handout. But just read that for yourself. Ask God to speak. And then the last, this is all kind of getting progressively more work. The, the last is this. I need counsel from. Who do you need to talk to about a decision? And who is wise in your life that could give some insight? So come with your thoughts, your clear thinking, and then ask them, does this make sense? I know that can just kind of put butterflies in your stomach, but God can really use that uh, to help you. Uh, last but not least, next week, we're starting a new series called Invest and Invite. Uh, this is one of our major goals here as a church. This is part of how we grow. You grow in the Christian faith as you invest in people and you invite them into your life and you invite them to be a part of church. So we're gearing up for our grand opening like Ben mentioned on August 8th. I invite all of you guys to come. There's flyers in your program that have the info. These flyers are for you to have the info but then also to invite people in your life. The social media stuff you can share with people in your life. And so next week we're gonna talk about what does that mean to be somebody who shares their faith with other people? And how do I do that for me, how God has wired me to, to be in with the relationships that I have? And then last but not least, Ben mentioned this, but um, I don't think there's a slide, but next uh, Sunday after church, uh, we're gonna be serving the community uh, by passing out water bottles just free. Like we're Ridgeview Church, we just started meeting here. Here's a water bottle and we wanted to invite you to our grand opening. 
just give away, interact with the, the community. We're gonna do that right after church next Sunday. And then once the sun goes down, it's a little cool, we're gonna do another round at 7 p.m. next Sunday. So I encourage you, write on the connection card um, the water bottle or something, and we, we will follow up. If not, if you're here next week, we'll just do it right after uh, the service. But we'll be meeting here um, after the service and then uh, that evening. And so I encourage you, this is a real practical way. Whether you've been around Vigview or not, you can just be a part of, of helping. If you freak out at the thought of making eye contact with somebody you do not know, we will pair you up with somebody who's not freaked out, and you could be the water bottle person. <laughs> if you smile, you can qualify. If you don't smile, I don't know if we want you. Because it's a little awkward. Come to our church. It doesn't work. But if you smile, that's all we need, just a smile. You don't even have to say anything. So I hope you'll come uh, to that. I'm done. Let me pray. God, thank you for your word which guides us, which paints a very different picture than what's in our heart, than what we see on the TV, than what we hear our culture telling us. And we need that because we need to live a different kind of life. God, I pray for all of us here making decisions. Lord, give us clear thinking and God, help us have courage to ask for counsel, for insight, for the things that we're not sure about. And through that, will you use it to grow us? And then God, as we, we look to you and as we ask you for help, will you speak to us so that we may know you more? In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.